Hey folks, I'm here today to tell you about Visible. Something unfortunate about wireless services, what you see isn't always what you get. But with Visible, what you see is what you get. No perception check required. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just $25 a month, taxes and fees included. If you're looking for a carrier that is upfront with no hidden fees, then go to Visible.com to make the switch. You don't need more than one line of wireless to save, and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian. And I'm Will. This is the podcast where we talk about everything Dungeons and Dragons, from mitigating mayhem to masterful marksmen. And today we're talking about Merfolk and Moreau. So uh, it's uh, Fish Person Day again, Brian. We're going to be having one of these a month. Back under. <laughs> We're going back, back under the seas. True. There's under a lot the of sea. weird shit down there. There is. Just like the real world. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, absolutely. So merfolk, are, or mermaids and mermen, are one of D&D's many marine-dwelling amphibious humanoids. As we know, there's a lot of those. Um, but while many of the fish peoples we have talked about recently, such as the Sahuagin or the Kuatoa, are generally speaking evil societies, mm-hmm. merfolk tend to err on the side of neutrality. Yeah, I think we've only talked about the evil underwater stuff. No, so we've far. talked about tritons. Oh yeah, that was done. We've touched, we've touched on, on sea elves, which I'm excited to get to. We will. Um, trying to think, are there any other good fish? No, we've talked about all the nasty bad ones. There's just that one good kraken that yeah. kind of gets bullied <laughs> by all the other krakens. Right. Yeah. So also, unlike many of the aquatic peoples we have spoken of on the show before, merfolk are more akin to tribalistic hunter-gatherers rather than having highly structured societies with cities and armies. Mm, I see. The uh, centaurs of the sea. The centaurs of the sea. Though some merfolk... Actually, that's a really good analogy because they are kind of centaurish. Yeah. You're welcome. Though some merfolk kingdoms are said to exist. Though they rarely choose to interact with the peoples of the surface world, merfolk are famed for being romanticized by sailors as beautiful seductresses, playful tricksters, and at time life-saving allies. So if you heard a fucking crazy pirate story back at the bar, it was a siren or a merfolk? Yeah, indeed. Okay. And though these things are not necessarily untrue, they are very embellished versions of that truth, and most merfolk go their entire lives without ever interacting with or even thinking about interacting with land dwellers. Merfolk are, of course, based off their in real life, mythological counterpart of the same name cool so so they have the fucking like uh unit one unit like fin thing at the bottom or whatever. yeah we're, we're gonna get into <clears throat> the physical description of them but first let's go over some real life mythology because that's always fun for me yeah i like history i like mythology let's, so let's do get it. into it so in folklore mermaids are aquatic creatures with the head and upper body of a female humanoid and the tail of a fish hmm. unlike a lot of other mythological creatures we've discussed on the show mermaids aren't exclusive to any one specific culture or region or origin they actually appear in the folklore of many cultures worldwide including the middle east europe asia and Africa. 
And as wide and varied as their origins would entail, their place in the historical zeitgeist is just as varied. Mermaids have been associated with perilous events such as floods, storms, shipwrecks, and drownings in some cultures, while in other folk traditions they can be benevolent or beneficent, bestowing boons and falling in love with humans. That's weird. So they're either really good or really bad. It just depends on who's telling the story and what part of the world. Makes sense. So in the oldest known mermaid story that we have, uh, this, this dates back to ancient Assyria, uh, circa 1000 BC. In this story, the Assyrian goddess uh, Atargetus, mother of the Assyrian queen uh, Semiramis, Semiramis, fell in love with a mortal, a simple shepherd, and unintentionally killed him with her god powers. Oh, <laughs> damn. Sh- oh, no. What was that? <laughs> it's time to do the sex. Oh, oh no. Crushed him. No. Ashamed, she jumped into a lake and took the form of a fish. But the waters were unable to conceal her divine beauty. Thus, she took the form of a mermaid. Beautiful human above uh, the waste, fish below. Damn. So I want to be a fish. Nope. No, nope, can't, can't be a fish. You're too beautiful to be a fish. I'm so powerful, but I'm more beautiful than I am powerful. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> so the best known example of mermaids in literature is probably Hans Christian Andersen's fairy tale, The Little Mermaid. Sure. So published in 1837. The title character, youngest of the merman, merman king's daughters, must wait their turn to reach the age when she will be allowed to emerge from the sea and sit on a rock there to observe the upper world. When she does this, the mermaid falls in love with a human prince and also longs for an eternal soul like those of humans, despite humans having much shorter lifespans. Sure. Her two cravings are intertwined, and only by achieving true love can her soul bind with the humans and become everlasting. Okay. But, of course, she has one major issue. She's half fish. Right. It's a big one. It's a big one. Her fish tail poses her an insurmountable obstacle for enticing humans, except for ones with a very particular fetish. I guess that would make this story get really weird really fast. Uh, So instead, (laughs) she seeks out the aid of a sea witch who offers a potion of transformation to turn her into a human form. Yeah. But this transformation comes at a price. Right. Both her tongue and beautiful voice. And also, if she fails to make the prince fall in love with her, she will dissolve into sea foam in the dawn after he marries someone else. Ain't nothing worse than sea foam. Mm-mm. Not a great deal, if you ask me. Mm. So. No, subpar at best. But she disagrees and decides to endure the excruciating pain of growing two very new human legs, heads to the surface, and despite her inability to speak, almost succeeds in wedding the prince, but then he falls for someone else. Also, this version says that she gave up her tongue specifically. Yeah, it's true. So, like, the Disney version probably doesn't have nobody clawing no tongues out of no mouths. No, it's true. Maybe that did happen. Also Also painful. Also in this version, it said that uh, she walks upon the land. It feels like she's walking upon knives at any given moment. Oh, no. Yes. What? Yes. She just got to deal with that? She's just, she's just, just through your life now. Oh, shit. I'm not used to, like, the way the ground feels, and mm-hmm. it's painful. Mm-hmm. Dope. So, uh, he falls in love with someone else, though. Bummer. Big problem. The mermaid is presented with a way out of her doom, though. Stab the prince with a magic knife before his marriage and pretend none of this ever happened. <laughs> <laughs> but at that, at the moment of truth, she decides not she does not have it within her to kill the prince and instead hurls, her, hurls herself into the sea at the crack of dawn the day after the prince's wedding and dissolves into foam. But Aww. instead of ceasing to exist, she feels the warm sun and discovers that she is turned into a luminous and ethereal earthbound spirit, a daughter of the air. As the little mermaid ascends into the atmosphere, she's greeted by the other daughters who tell her she's become like them because she strove with all her heart to obtain an immortal soul. Because of her selflessness, she's given the chance to earn her own soul by doing good deeds for mankind for 300 years and will one day rise up to heaven. Hey, you did a bad trade, but we'll, let, worked you, out. we'll let you go for good deeds because <laughs> right, we know exactly. you'll do them. <laughs> right, exactly. What they don't tell you about good deed doing is that 
there's low on manpower up in the good deed department. They yeah. really need good they really need to go good out there and deeds. do their stuff. So they're getting the it's Little true. Mermaid up there. Indeed. Yeah. So that's the, that's the real story of the Little Mermaid or wow. the original one. I shouldn't say real one. The Disney one's fine too. I like that movie. I like the sea hag version where she comes up and does the trickery to make him fall in love. Like that part yeah. would still be oh, cool yeah, if that's no. what Dis- was going on. Disney movies are good because they're good. Uh, moving on. Sure. So D&D Merfolk have undergone a couple changes over the editions. They originally had the very classic mythological look of the upper body, arms, and head of a human from the waist up. And instead of legs, they had a fishtail uh, from the hips down. Yeah. The human portion of them uh, was described as being very physically attractive and having a rather unearthly beauty to them. Okay, um, kind of elfy. Much the there. same as that of elves. Okay. Yeah. This version of their depiction is pretty cohesive across editions from first to fourth edition. Fifth edition has taken a different approach with the human portion of their bodies being much more aquatic in nature oh. with skin of blue or green, oh. uh, fingered hands with prominent webbing, uh, hair like fins that adorn their heads. In both versions, merfolk tend to dress in simple clothing made of seashells and simple bits of cloth. That's like the water genasi has that kind of flavor to it, too. A little like bit. This is stuff. even more so. Even this more is, so. Yeah, even Maybe more you got so. those little long, like tendril, like kind of things off the fins that yeah, flow sure. behind you. Yeah. I like the idea of the. The merfolk person, like all your all your human side leg beauty, just gets transferred to the upper body. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> um, but no, I kind of like fifth edition's take. It looks more like if mermaids were like real, like if they were an actual creature, yeah, they would look something like this. That, that's a hard sentence to to take in, but I get what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, so merfolk tribes and villages span the world, and their people are as varied in color, culture, and outlook as the human races of the surface. They build their settlements in vast undersea caverns, mazes of coral, and the ruins of sunken cities, or structures that they carve from the rocky seabed. Okay. They tend to dwell in water shallow enough that the passage of time can be marked by the gleam and fade of sunlight through the water. So they, they don't That's go cool. very deep. They're, yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think dolphins are very similar. They don't really actually swim all that deep. They, like... The sun is always in sight or so. Come at me, people in the comments about your animal love. You're always there, and I love you guys so much because I learn a lot about animals. It's true. In the reefs and trenches near their settlements, merfolk harvest coral and farm the seabed, shepherding schools of fish as land-based farmers tend sheep. Okay. Only rarely do merfolk venture into the darkest depths of the ocean. In such depths and in their undersea caverns, merfolk rely on the light of bioluminescent flora and fauna, such as jellyfish, who slow... Pulsing movements lend merfolk settlements an otherworldly aesthetic. So yeah, no dark vision. They I don't, don't have that. No dark vision. They yeah. have bad vision. They have bad vision. I just want to be clear. Like dark vision is not standard. Actually, it's just a it's joke just I make on the so, show. It's just so rampant it's that so it seems prevalent standard. in yeah. this game that it's like, well, might as well. It is the standard because there's so Kinda. many creatures that have it. It's yeah. I feel you exactly. Uh, yeah. So it isn't really explained why this doesn't apply to the other aquatic humanoids, but merfolk are said to lack the materials and practical means to forge weapons beneath the waves, write books and keep lore, or to shape stone to raise buildings and cities. But we've talked about all the other fish folk, and they have dope-ass cities and dope-ass weapons. Anyways, as a result, most <laughs> live in small hunter-gatherer tribes, each of which holds unique values and creeds. Only occasionally do merfolk unite under the rule of a single leader. They do so to face a common threat or to complete a conquest. Such unifications, though, can be the beginning of undersea kingdoms with dynasties lasting hundreds of years. Okay. Merfolk defend their communities with spears crafted from whatever materials they can salvage from shipwrecks, beaches, and dead undersea creatures. They also train aquatic animals to serve as their guardians, similar to the way humans train dogs and horses. Merfolk's only natural enemy is the Sahawagan. The Sahawagan. Sahawagan. That's a good-ass natural enemy to have. It is. Because they're like, they sound like everybody's enemy. They're everybody's enemy. Yeah. (laughs) Except for sharks. Sharks and Sahawagan get along and everyone hates them. Cool, 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 cool. So... (laughs) 
merfolk worship a deity named Iedro. Iedro is an aloof intermediate water deity of good who's responsible for creating both merfolk and another humanoid fish people called the Lokatha. Yes, there are even more fish people. <laughs> there are more fish. There's so much underwater. Like, underwater campaign is cool. Just figure out how weapons work underwater. Apparently, there's ranger weapons that work underwater. Sure. Tridents for sure work underwater. Because well, yeah, if they don't, yeah. I'd be mad about it. Yeah, that would be dumb. all the art. Yeah, spears, tridents are going to be your best bet. Uh, I can see bladed weapons that you swing. But swinging is difficult underwater. I would like homebrew weapons that shoot bursts of water, high, high pressure or air, or something like that. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. So, Iedro watches over both races from his magic mirror on the elemental plane of water to ensure that they do not vie for territory. Mm-hmm. He also has an alliance with the other good deities of the sea, known as the Asathofenere. This alliance is to ensure peace between the various good peoples of the ocean so that they may thrive and not be overtaken by the many evils of the deep. Yes. As we've talked about, there's a lot of evil down there. There's a lot of evil. It's kind yeah. of just like the land, though, like how they're... Just like sure, holders yeah. and dragons and stuff. Exactly. There's like yeah. bullshit down here too. It's just so vast. There's so much mm-hmm. and so much area yeah. like that you can just have pockets of good, pockets of bad. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, merfolk worship their father deity with passion, making their supplications open to non-merfolk so that they might hear songs devoted to him. The songs and swimming dances they use in prayer change with every season as well as during their numerous holidays. Okay. And that's all I really have on merfolk. There's not a lot on them. Um, we're going to talk about Moreau, who are directly intertwined with Merfolk after the short rest. But before we go to our short rest, let's go over the stat block for Merfolk. I got this. All right. Do you think these guys, what do you, well, before we do this, what do you think these guys do for fun? Like, I know they're doing um, things for, for like their own safety. Races. I'm racing. sure there's games that you can play with dice or something. Okay. Um, do you think some hooligans are like punching holes in the bottom of boats and stuff? Or like... Yeah, sure. You're going to have your bad merfolk. Okay. Yeah, cool. you're going to have your teenagers going to shore and playing pranks on people. They're smoking um, seaweed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, so. merfolk, no. medium humanoid merfolk, neutral. Mm-hmm. You're neutral. They're just neutral. They're very neutral. They're okay. just people. Armor class, 11. Mm-hmm. Hit points, 11. Mm-hmm. Speed, 10 feet. Of So they have regular speed of walking. Yeah, they walking can flop speed. around. They could crawl. Oh, like, like flop on. Flop on the deck like a yeah. fish or whatever. Yeah. Okay, okay. Swim 40 feet. Cool. That's 40. If you can swim or fly, it's 40. Otherwise, it's more like 30, huh? Yeah. It, yeah, that then does tend that's to be normal. Of, now, okay. 40 feet in six seconds is pretty good, I think. That's fast. Yeah, it seems pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, especially if you're doing other stuff, like taking yeah. an attack action. Yeah. Uh, now we got strength at 10, dex at 13, con at 12, intelligence mm-hmm. 11, wisdom 11, charisma 12. So this is just like slightly... Better than your average town person, I guess? Yeah, they're just people, man, and yeah. they live under the ocean, and it's tough down there. Yeah, they gotta, <laughs> so they, they have like armor and hit points more than a townsperson because you've got to be tougher to yeah. live under the water. Sure, yeah. There's a lot of pressure living under the water. Literal ah. and figurative. Yeah. Okay, so I got. <laughs> uh, Anything else on them? I know it's a pretty simple slap block. Plus two perception, passive perception is 12. Uh, they speak Aquan in common, mm-hmm. or challenge rating one eighth, and they have the amphibious ability, which is uh, Merfolk can breathe air and water. Mm. Uh, they have the spear action, so melee arranged weapon attack, plus two to hit, uh, five feet, or um, the reach is five feet, or range of 20 to 60 feet. Uh, one target, the hit is three or 1d6 piercing damage or yeah. four 1d8 piercing damage if used with two hands to make a melee. They're pretty weak. I think they're, what, one half challenge rating? Uh, an eighth. An eighth. Ooh, really weak. Pretty bad. It doesn't, it only gets one lower than that, and that's zero. Yeah, but at least they have, like, they're a group. This is a cool mob. Mm-hmm. 
for like a entry level water campaign. Yeah, I guess. absolutely. Yeah, this absolutely. is like some common shit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's all I got. With that being said, let's take a short rest. Let's do it. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify is great. They're taking businesses of all sizes, cradling them in their arms, to help them grow by giving them the tools they need. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success at every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash dungeoncast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash dungeoncast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash dungeoncast. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it. Or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, be sure to check out Super, Super Quest, Quest Saga. Saga, a future fantasy 5th edition D&D actual play podcast home brewed and dungeon mastered by yours truly, me, and set in space. And I play in it, along with your special guest Jake and friend of the show, Josh Freeland. You can find it on YouTube, iTunes, or anywhere else you can get your podcasts. Super Quest Saga! returned indeed we have still think, under the ocean though how, how cool is speak with animals underwater that's got to be fucking sick right? oh yeah absolutely you can do the whole little mermaid scene down there you You're really fucking can. under the sea that shit right now it's very true um but now we're going to take a bit of a darker turn in this underwater <gasps> oh, kingdom no. we're gonna go deeper deeper <sighs> down kind of less light more pressure we're gonna talk about the moreau Okay. So, Moreau are actually a new monster to D&D, introduced in the 5th edition Monster Manual for the first time, kind of. There is a version of the Moreau, which is actually just a sea ogre. 
Uh, but oh. we're actually going to be saving these guys for a year of the giant episode. So oh. we're not going to talk about the sea ogre at all. Oh, damn. Okay. The but new, there are sea ogres. There are sea ogres. Get ready for the future, everybody. <laughs> there are sea ogres. Indeed. The new 5e Moreau appears in a couple of adventure modules, but essentially all information for them comes out of page 219 of the 5e Monster Manual. Damn, that's it? That's it. That's all there is. Shit. <laughs> they okay. are essentially a corrupted and chaotic evil version of merfolk related to demon kind. Uh, Moreau Ooh. haunt coastal waters preying on fishermen, uh, merfolk, and any other edible creatures that cross their path. Uh, these savage monsters snatch and devour unwary prey, hauling drowned corpses back to their underwater grottos to feed. Are these the demons to the lawful evil Sahuagin? I could see them the kind devilish? of being like that. Yeah, I know what you mean because the Swagger are more devilish. That Moreau have a much, much smaller um, influence on the sea. There's not nearly as many of them as there are of, say, the Swagger. Sure. Um, Do you think that demons are just trying to get their foot in the door, mm, like how devils have in a way? A little bit, kind of. Okay. Um, even in the other way, devils aren't exactly trying to get a foot either. No, yeah, I yeah. know what you mean. Just like the energies of those, like. Yeah, Moreau are chaotic, chaotic evil. evil, and they are demonic in nature. Okay, so. so I got one more what if for you. Okay. What if it's Marrow? I don't think it's Marrow. Okay, cool. <laughs> uh, but maybe it is. Uh, Moreau are depicted as hulking, enormous merfolk with monstrous and demonic features. They're larger. Ra- they're large rather than medium-sized creatures. Their oh. physiques are bulky and muscular. Their hands are ended in sharp claws rather than webbed fingers. Their heads are more shark and even reptilian-like with razor-sharp teeth. Wow. Um they're not very humanoidish at all, really. It makes sense for an underwater monster to have like, um, like the gri- the grappling kind of thing that you see going on in the ocean, mm-hmm. like the the hooks and the tentacles, and like yeah. the very sharp teeth that won't let go. Yeah, sure. Yeah, these guys are fucking cool. Okay. So it is said their origin is demonic in nature. Mm-hmm. Long ago, a tribe of merfolk found an idol of Demogorgon at the bottom of the sea. Shout out to Demogorgon. <laughs> right. There's a lot of shout outs going off from my boy Demogorgon. <laughs> yeah, it's happening. It's what does happening that mean? Again. What, is, what does it mean? What does it mean? Future? You know we're getting close to episode 200, Will. Oh my god, yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, shit. What? oh shit, did I say something? You did. You oh, did say dang, something. I said something. So not knowing what the idol was, they brought the artifact to their king. Everyone who touched the idol became afflicted with madness, including the king himself, who ended up decreeing that a sacrificial ritual must be performed in order to open a gateway to the abyss. Ooh. The ocean turned red with the blood of slaughtered merfolk, but the ritual worked. And the king led the survivors through the underwater gate to Demogorgon's lair of the abyss. Shout out to Demogorgon. The merfolk remained there for generations, fighting for their lives as the abyss warped them completely, transforming them into hulking evil monstrosities. Thus, the first Moreau were born. Whoa, okay. So whenever an opportunity presents itself, the Prince of Demons sends Moreau back to the material plane to wreak havoc in the oceans. Shout out to the Prince of Demons. The Moreau are bullies, attacking all creatures smaller and weaker than themselves. Moreau dwell in undersea caves filled with treasures and trophies taken from their victims and sunken ships. They tie the rotting corpses of dead enemies and drowned sailors to strands of kelp to mark the borders of their territory. Hell yeah, dude. And that is everything there is written about the 5e Moreau. What more do you need, baby? (laughs) Reference the Demogorgon page. Right, indeed. That's all you need after that. Sure. This is a segue into my man. Well, I believe one thing we do need is for you to read the stat block. And I will. Okay, sounds good. In the honor of the prince himself. Uh Uh, The Moreau, uh, large monstrosity, chaotic evil, armor class 13, which is natty armor. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hit points 45. It's a respectable Mm -hmm. amount of hit points. Uh, Speed is 10 feet. And swim is 40 feet. This should be specified. This is a flopping speed. Yeah, right. Uh, Strength, 18. Dex, 10. Con, 15. Intelligence, 8. 
Wisdom <laughs> ten, charisma nine. Yikes! Yeah, not you a lot have of personality. A little more charisma. For not really. I mean, they're not. they're just mean just and nasty. Meat monsters. They're yeah. strong as shit, though. Yeah. Uh, senses: dark vision, sixty feet; passive perception, ten. Uh, languages: abyssal and aquan. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Cool flavor. <laughs> Fuck. What does that sound like underwater? I can only imagine. Evil bubbles. Evil bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So amphibious. The Moreau can breathe air and water. Multi attack. Moreau makes two attacks: one with its bite and one with its claws or harpoon. Uh, melee weapon attack with for the bite S- plus six to hit five foot reach one target and that's eight damage or one d8 plus four piercing damage claws melee attack weapon plus six to hit five foot reach one target nine damage two d4 plus four slashing damage harpoon melee or ranged weapon attack is this like a mechanical thing like uh hmm. okay plus six to hit reach or five feet or, sorry, plus six to hit, reach five feet, or range of 20 to 60 feet. Yeah, they can throw it or stab Just with like it. a spear. Okay, yeah. so uh, one target. So hit is 11, which is 2d6 plus four. Piercing damage. If the target is a huge or smaller creature, it must succeed on a strength contest against the Moreau or be pulled up to 20 feet toward the Moreau. That's oh, fucking wow. cool. Indeed. Let's get over here. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what that's like. Um, Did you get the challenge rating on that, bad boy? Uh I don't think I two. It's two? two. So it's uh it's eight times stronger than your average merfolk. It is eight well if it's an eighth, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Fuck. So this harpoon, uh is it just like a spear on a rope? I guess that's what it sounds like. Yeah, okay, because I'm like, yeah. uh, my modern brain says that I need a big machine to fire a harpoon, but I don't. No, a you have a Moreau. Like, like, they're large and rope. buff. They can throw that, no problem. That's fucking scary. And then scary. pull that rope back, no problem. Can you imagine being a regular adventurer trying yeah. to swim down here? Well, I mean, I imagine they use this to get people who are not in the water. In the water. Oh, so damn. So, like, you're, you're leaning over your boat, and suddenly a harpoon hits you. Grabs you by the yeah, shoulder yeah. and pulls you underwater, and now they got you. <laughs> They're gonna, going fishing in reverse. And then your homie's like, we're going to need a bigger boat. Right, exactly. Yeah, and it's yeah. Jaws. Sure. So the, uh, I wonder if they're doing that thing. You know how when you aim a spear at a fish, like above mm-hmm. water, there's that like illusory effect where yes. they're like lower than that or yes. whatever? they got to do it in, in reverse. reverse. Yes. Like, aim high, my son. <laughs> Exactly. The glory of Demogorgon. Indeed. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love that imagery. Okay, cool. Um, any questions about Moreau? Uh, when when you describe this, I need a picture of these Moreau. Okay. Like, I'm going to look it up real quick. So I want to see get, if like, they a, look the way you you picture them. Moreau. See, that's the problem. Is like I'm having trouble sort Im- of picturing them a little them. bit. They look pretty cool. Oh, these do look cool. They're like, oh, they're nasty. Mm-hmm. Uh, these guys are nasty. Okay. This. This is much more um, cohesive than I was expecting. I was expecting more of like a deformed body. No, for some reason. yeah, no. They they look like an, almost like a natural creature in a way. Yeah, yeah. yeah they're very humanoidish and very like they have a fluent design. According mm-hmm. to what I'm, I'm looking at, you can look yep, at it that's too. That's the one. But yeah, yeah. This is cool. That harpoon. It is just a fucking crazy ass spear on a rope on a cable. <laughs> it's like so. Yeah, that's fucking awesome. There it is. These guys are pretty cool. I'm sad that there's not more like. Yeah. In, in depth. Yeah, on them. Oh, my God. Uh, yes. Yes. A lot of, a lot of puns this episode. There really is. <gasps> and I think we could get ready for a long rest. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. <laughs> right. Get me out of here. All right. Long rest time. All right. Uh, stretching out. You know, it's getting warmer out. And, uh, Indeed it is. Got some shorts on, but you know I never go barefoot when I'm getting ready for bedtime. And I've got 
Oh, damn it. They're all wet again. My slippies. Who keeps doing this? I'm sorry. I keep bringing us to the beach. There's a I don't big know why harpoon I keep doing this. hole in my slippies. Oh, no. Somebody dunked my socks. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's uh, let's get ready for bed like we normally do with coffee. <laughs> yeah, because that's, that's exactly how I go to sleep. <laughs> Actually, uh, when you're staying up late trying to plan your campaign, there we go. There's, there's a certain brew that's good for you. <laughs> and it's, it's the Adventures Coffee Company, bro. Yeah, I know. They make really good coffee. They sent us a complimentary bag. It was I know. so good. I kind of want another one. <laughs> okay. Well, we can get, you know where you can get it? At adventurescoffee.co slash store. Links There's in, a link in the description yeah, below. I'm not, I, haven't, I don't have a lot of practice reading links, but I, we're working on their it. Their logo is fucking cool. It's like an adventurers pack. Uh, you'll know it when you see it. They've got great flavors like Fair Maiden, the Base Camp. The Dungeons and Dark Roast. Love that name. And the mm-hmm. Bean to the Future, which I imagine is going to fucking jize you up so hard you think you're in I'm the I'm actually future. a little nervous to try that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can go there and use uh, promo code DungeonCast to score yourself a sweet bag of their uh, their brew. Nice. It smells like, whoa. I, opened the, I know. I opened it's the, very potent. I opened the package up when they sent it to me, and I was like... Whoa! I was, I'm just not used to smelling coffee. Oh, okay. And my, I am. But my wife was like, "Hey, what's what did you just open over there?" <laughs> she smelled it from across yeah, the house. Yeah, she, she, came out of the, she came out of the room like, "Oh, dang! Did you just open some delicious coffee?" <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, no, we had some. It was great. Um, so if you guys want, you can go there to uh, to Adventures Coffee Company. Get yourself a bag. Use promo code DungeonCast to get yourself ten percent off. Nice. Um, yeah, so thank you guys at the Adventurers Coffee Company team. Um, we really appreciate you reaching out and sending us your flavor, which we dig. We think you'll dig it too. Mm-hmm. So if you need caffeine in your life, go get some at Adventurers Coffee Company. Um, congratulations to whoever won our contest. <laughs> All three of you. All three of you guys. We don't know who you are because it's May 17th right now when we record this. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're doing it big ahead of time yeah. these days. So, you know... Um, be sure to go check that out on our social media. You can uh, be informed of what's coming up with the show, news on SuperQuest Saga, etc. Mm-hmm. That should actually be back in the runnings at this point. There should be either a Saga episode coming out very soon, very has soon, come yeah. out, is about think, to come out I think like it's a week. week out or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but it, it's coming back. We see yeah. you guys asking about it. We know it's dope. We know and it's dope. <laughs> thank you. But thanks for asking about it. Um, we took the hiatus because of the pandemic. Right. Well, um, initially we took a hiatus because we're halfway through. Right. But get ready for and some fucking awesome stuff. Indeed. Um, and as for the contest winners, we will announce them here on the show as soon as the, we know the, the, and are recording. The next episode after this one. Maybe. I'm pro- actually not sure about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. It might be a while before we announce you on the show, but we will. And you will have seen it on social media. Yeah. We will announce you there in yeah. real time. And you'll have your prizes as well. <laughs> yeah. You, this is probably all long dead and gone by the time. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Check. Check us out on social media for contest stuff. You can find Will at the Dungeon Cast on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, the Dungeon Cast. Or if you just want to email us, you can email us at the at gmail.com. We're taking ad inquiry. We're taking your we love your cool stories that you sent. We try to respond to all those. If we haven't yet, we'll get there eventually, hopefully. Sorry if we missed you. But uh we, we're getting a lot of emails these days. We're doing our best. Um is there anything else you want to touch on before we call it a game? I think we've covered it all. So did I think co- did we cover it all? Why am I feeling like I'm forgetting something? I have no idea. Uh, maybe it's just my love. Thank you guys. <laughs> I love you guys. Yes. Uh, but yeah, we'll we'll catch you next time. We're gonna get out of the ocean and go to bed. With that, we'll call it a game. We'll Bye. Talk to you guys later.
Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice, a horror podcast that blurs the line between actual play and audio drama, where the story is determined by the roll of the dice. Six adventurers embark on a journey into the ruinous domain of the Nameless God. They will never be the same again. One of the players is not what they seem after a doppelganger, a creature that can assume the form and voice of whatever it kills, infiltrates the team. As the players are picked off and replaced one at a time, can they figure out who the monster is before it's too late? Can you? Here's a quick example of what our show sounds like. The, uh, shambler with the jar of liquid inside of him. Soren Arkwright let loose an arrow that cracked the glass, passing through the spine of the creature. The shambler still managed to maintain its forward momentum, but stumbled as it eagerly tried to bite and swipe at Soren, landing near his feet. As Jeff Goldblum has now joined our cast, Dark Dice is available however you listen to podcasts.